<laughs> three, two. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to episode, what is it, 351. We missed 350. Well, we didn't miss it, but we missed the opportunity plans to do something cool. And I blame you, Randy. I blame Tony. Okay. Let's blame, blame Tony. Tony's not here to defend He's himself. He's not even here. I know. And, you know, we keep looking for that what? Disney Castle hookup <laughs> that we just can't seem to put our finger on. And I, It'll happen. It'll happen. See? It'll happen. Dream big. Dream big. Eat your when green you beans. Upon a star. That's it. Eat your green beans. It will come true. It's true. All right. So for this. <laughs> so you're paying penance for uh, dissing <laughs> yeah, yeah, green right. beans there, Randy. I know, I know. I heard you got taken to task I on, did a, little, a, I did on a, a little social bit. media platform. Yeah, did a little bit. And uh, just reminding me that it was, uh, I need to be eating my green beans. And he's not, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. And I admit, I freely admit I should eat more green beans. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, too. Oh, like nah, see now that's a deal breaker. I draw the line at lima beans. That's right. Oh, I, I won't line. do those either. That's yeah. just little par- little pouches of you, sand. You, with... you just haven't had them cooked correctly. Yet. Lima beans. Oh, yes. there's a correct way to cook them. There is a correct way to do lima beans. There's a correct way to do Brussels sprouts. So I think we should just have a party with okay. all greens. So like I agree with you on the Brussels sprouts, but I'm there. But I have never had correctly. T- <laughs> well, I mean, like. Correctly made lima beans. That's the, I don't even. I no, don't. I honestly do don't think that's possible. You have to cook there's, them for a long time. There's not enough butter. Yeah, and bury them in something else. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. not enough butter or cheese to make that an idea that I'm willing to to put. I don't forth. know. I don't know. You I'm, bring you Melanie. We'll we'll try it. We'll see. I, okay. Yeah, uh, beans don't have. I don't. It's everybody talks to me about grits that there's you haven't mm. had grits until. So for me, I have no problem with any beans, fava beans, lima beans. But when you try to tell me grits are, or okra, there. Oh, although I have oh, to John. say, oh, now Monday. See, John, see, here's the thing, Jeff. You just you are so giving away that you are not a southern man. <laughs> that is very, probably true. Yeah. Let me guess. You drink your tea straight up without sugar. I do. Too. Oh, oh yuck. Oh. <laughs> What's wrong with you? So much comes out in these podcasts. I know. The lines are already drawn. I can tell. And Randy, the- and Randy was like, this is going to be a short one. He didn't realize we are going to have a whole <laughs> smackdown on, on appropriate foods to eat. So I had no idea that we were that people were judged by their tea. Do you do, sweet, do, you do sweet tea, Randy? Oh, I don't drink tea of oh. any kind. I mean, yeah, I'm not a big tea drinker, hot tea. period. Yeah. Hot tea. Now, if you give me yeah. a nice glass of hot tea, but I'm not into cold things that taste bitter. That's, uh, that's not cool. Well, that's because you're not drinking the sweet yeah, tea. The sweet, sweet tea, tea is, is not there. <laughs> so you are one of us there. No, no, it's the tea's got like that kind of tea has a nasty af- aftertaste that I just don't go yeah. for. And I do not like, know what you're talking you about. You drink black coffee, and I'm like, yeah, that tastes good. I don't, I don't know what you guys are, <laughs> what you guys are drinking, but, but see, I'll go along with grits. I love grits. Oh, really? Yeah. You okay. can, hmm. Grits are good. There's a lot I of like different grits. good ways to do grits. Yeah. There's some bad ways to do them. You know, is, yeah. There no, are some bad ways. But grits should not be sweet. No, it's yeah. like meat should not be sweet. Don't you don't like honey on your song. grits? No. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. I think that'd be a tough sell. There's just no way to hide it. Okay. <laughs> a nice block of sharp young cheddar. That's that Mark, is good. Marking yeah. okay. that that's one. Cream cheese is yeah. another. I don't um, know. Cheese, yes. I can understand how cheese might cover up some of the taste. <laughs> well, at least Being we from all Wisconsin, have, but at least I've had cheese on apple on pie, too. Cheese on apple pie is really good. Ooh, well, you, I don't you know, know, that's not even just a Wisconsin thing. I found yeah. out that people... It's a German thing. Well, yeah, and it is a... Um, uh, was, uh, one of my clients years ago was like, do you, do you know about um, caramelized... Oh, 
sweetened yeah. condensed milk. And I'm like, I didn't think anyone else in the world knew about this. But from a young age, my grandma would put it in just in the can. You don't open it and you assume it's going to blow up and go through the <laughs> roof or set the kitchen on fire. But you put a full can in a pot of boiling water on low boil. Caramelize it. About three hours and it just sits in the can and it rattles on the on the stove. Yeah. And then we take it out. It's full caramel. You mix that with a little whipped cream and you put that over angel food cake. And that is known as cake and topping in the Schneider family. For I'm willing to try that. Yeah. Yes, you are. You bring that. Okay. Melanie, bring the lima beans. We'll see which <laughs> oh, one's better. Man, lima okay. We'll see which one's better. <laughs> Y'all can oh, write man. in now. You can start <laughs> writing in and letting fair. us know your favorite. We're trying food. to decide whether this is a religious blog or a food blog. We are <laughs> a blog or podcast or something else. I'm just hoping nobody out there is trying to watch their calorie intake or anything like <laughs> yeah. that because we have definitely well, tempted the lima them beans above what they're able to bear. With this much, you know, much butter, that might be heart attack on a plate for me. But mm-hmm. anyway, we need to talk more about this caramelized stuff. Oh no, no, yeah, After, I'll, afterwards, I'll, yeah, I'll teach. I'll, it's yeah. in. So we're about five, we're about five minutes in. So yeah, no, we need to. We probably need to get going here. So because the cost is really what we're thinking about here. So <laughs> calories, the calories are a cost. Oh, there you it's, go. It's a cost. Way to bring it around. Nice. Yeah, yeah no yeah. problem. Nice. I, I was wondering how we were going to do that, but when we started off this week, I was a little worried again. Last week, of course, we talked about <laughs> green beans and we talked about the velvet sledgehammer. We talked about ice cream melting in front of you while you had to eat your green beans. And I felt like in in first service in the response time, we got a chance to talk a little bit about that. And that I felt like Ken gave us a little a little ice cream this week. It wasn't all green beans, but I was a little nervous starting off because the first story he started with was about the rich young ruler, mm-hmm. which for me, I feel like that's the vantage point of you can go multiple different directions. You can be the person that's like, well, I'm not rich, so Jesus would never ask that of me because he was rich. And what I got, I'm not rich. So, yeah. Or, yeah, see, it's those rich people. They're the problem. They're the ones that are greedy. And that's why the rest of us don't have anything. And see, Jesus was just pointing that out. Or... <laughs> He's really, you know, we really feel bad for him a little bit because he's probably, like Ken said, he's probably going to hell because he's not going, you know, he can't be going to heaven because he clearly. wrong. Pick wrong. Right. He drew the wrong response card when he was He made a mistake. And then you throw the camel in the eye of the needle, you throw that in there. I mean, these are all ones as as a kid and growing up, I always thought, well, that's impossible. And of course, that's what we were talking about this week. What's impossible for us is not impossible for God. But but bridging those two gaps to me seems even even harder. And then Ken brings up in both services, you were blessed this week. God was was his favor was with you <laughs> because you got Peter in first service and you got what was her name? Numa. Numa. Okay. Numa, you're awesome. <laughs> Numa. Leah is too. Amazing. I mean, both you couldn't have picked two better people to to do this illustration to really teach us about value. And not that we didn't know that, but I think it landed differently this week when you saw Peter in your conversation about, well, would you give me your cane? When it's like, look, I need that to, oh, God, ask for, you know, hard things. And then with Numa, you're like, well, you know, hey, six figures. And then all of a sudden she's ready to give you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for those of you who might not, we're we're talking about, I asked Numa for her wedding band and engagement (laughs) ring, I think. And so... She was not. She wasn't thrilled about the idea until until she heard that the penny could be worth six, six figures. And, yeah. Visually, it was just. And if you haven't seen either of the messages, if nothing else, go back and check out both of those because I think the the conversation that happened between both were 
really true in real time. I mean, nobody was making an act. Nobody was trying to, because nobody knew what was going to happen. Nope. But I thought both of them landed in different ways mm-hmm. for me personally about what and how each of us differently views the value of Jesus. <laughs> and then it, the, the, what, what strikes me then is how do we, how do we start that process of understanding or even, I don't, I never really knew for a long time that I needed to understand what the value of Jesus was. Wasn't that like, isn't it salvation? <clears throat> Put the hammer, you know, drop the gavel, court dismissed. Isn't that it? But there's, a, it just, I thought both of those really showed a, a humanity in the process of, even though it was a shortened, obviously, than what we go through in life. But what did you guys think? I, I just found that that was really an engaging piece that now I'm thinking to myself, how am I valuing Jesus and how am I tr- really, really valuing my relationship with him? What I, we all work for a church. We're here every week trying to find new ways to engage people with the good news. I like this. I really liked how this worked out. And by the way, I do think it is a process. I, we always make it ultimatums that God throws ultimatums at us. But what if he threw, what if he threw process at us? In other words, here's what I'd like you to consider. Now, we made it, he made it an ultimatum for the rich young ruler. It was kind of a one-off story. And then, of course, Ken brings it around to this, <laughs> could have been Joseph, <laughs> could have been. You know, I really, I actually got off. We had a big discussion about it in the <laughs> afternoon about it, which was, which was fun. I thought I felt my ears burning. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, but I do think that, Christ understands how paradigm-shifting his words are. Mm-hmm. I don't think those are ultimatums. I think those are pieces that he gives us. And he doesn't give us all of it either. I think if you listen to the story, it kind of came in pieces anyway. So I do think that God gives us much more idea about what a process could look like in the journey mm-hmm. as opposed to do this or not. And uh, I I like that piece uh, that kind of got brought out in a way to, what if that was just the beginning for this rich young ruler Mm. instead of the ending? Yeah. Melanie? Oh, no, I like it. What he said. What he said. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought it was was a really cool... um, idea to think of obviously there's there's no proof that yeah the yeah. two are connected but i i really yeah. did like the idea because maybe maybe he wasn't that rich young ruler but he might have been another rich well, young ruler think, from another moment or whatever but I, I think it's it's cool that to look at it as not the end but maybe the beginning mm. yeah, the other the other thought that i mean we know that uh, Saul of Tarsus was uh was alive when Jesus was was here on earth he would have been a young man probably he would have potentially had the opportunity to run into Jesus. I mean, that you you go through these lists of people who clearly rejected Jesus when he was here on earth, Saul, who became Paul, and they have these moments where, they, where the right moment comes and they do make the, the decision for Christ. And I, I think uh, I loved what, um, what Jeff just said, it's, it's, it's process. And, and sometimes we get hung up on just individual moments Instead of viewing it as as perhaps a process that um, any any salesperson knows that the first time somebody says no, you're not done. 
I mean, you'd be a terrible salesperson if you if you gave up after the, at the first no. Am I right, Randy? Salesperson. Yeah, that's that's not sales. Sales is okay. You said no. What about this? What about that? What about this? So and, what, and which is not to put God as a giant salesman in the sky or something, but it's to say that it's it's kind of funny that if we think that the guy trying to sell us produce won't give up on the first no, that, that the God of the universe who tells us that he loves us and views us as children would somehow give up on us when we say no or, or, or make a mistake. So what are the questions then if you are the person who just got the sales pitch, I mean, what are the questions that you can ask or bring to God when you're not sure that the answer that you even have an answer or that was that God that was talking to me about this? Or is this just a premonition? Is this just something I've picked up from wherever? Cause I find it difficult sometimes to discern what am I listening to? Did I pick this up from here? Did I pick it up from here? Uh, I had a conversation with this person, and now I'm thinking about this. Or was was God using that person? And maybe not everyone is that busy in the brain, but I can overanalyze the business out of anything, giving myself half a chance, and the devil knows that better than anybody. What can we tell people that might be thinking, man, that does, that sounds plausible? Maybe it sounds illogical. What are those things that we can, where you can, maybe even just to start the process or trust that maybe God is speaking to you. Cause I think that part in itself can be confusing if that's not something you've ever thought about doing or even thought about listening. I hate that word. Listen. I, I think it's hard. harder on the other side though. I think it's harder. So? Well, to already have an established belief structure okay. that you say, this is my apps. This is, this is, I'm not, I'm not budging on this. I think it's harder to approach a new paradigm, especially Christ, as he, you know, he reveals himself to us, uh, however that might be for any of us. But for us to say, no, that can't happen that way, that's an even harder thing, I think, when we create um, absolutes that Christ can't cross that line with me or can't. Hmm can't move, uh, or this is how I view Christ and he will never, I'll never change that. Oh, or, but to be open, to be able to walk into a conversation with somebody and say, I want to I wanna think about that more, or I want to, I've never looked at it that way. Or, and, and I was, we were talking actually this morning in our worship, but I do think that sometimes we create absolutes in our minds that make it really difficult, almost paralyzing, to um, to accept these, new, you know, accept something new that Christ might do for us or may, make us see something in a different way, mostly because we have, we feel like we already have it down. We already have it patented. Yeah, That's our security. Do? Don't take that away from me. Yeah. My dad was that way, you know, but I was really wanting him to change his outlook of God, because he had this idea that unless every single sin was, you know, verbally, you know, uh, forgive or confessed, there might be something hanging out there somewhere in his life that, and it really persecuted him. And I, wow. and we worked through, you know, we worked through that for a while, but it was hard for him to move away from that mindset. So you're saying just being open and, and just 
a little trust, a little let's try this and see how it how it, how it goes without any. I don't think we should be afraid of doubt. Is what I'm saying. Okay, I, I that's fair. We do get afraid of that because no, yeah, we feel like sure. oh, somebody's pulling the rug out from underneath me. But if faith, you know, if a faith is what we believe it to be, in terms of God continues to give it, then quite possibly we can still have faith after doubt. So, Randy, why do you think it is that Jesus, God, calls us to follow him? Well, I think it's because he wants to be in relationship with us and eventually have that relationship go back to the original plan of being together all the time, like it was in Eden. Um, I don't know if that's a... So I like that. And if that's the case... I was thinking about it's. It's kind of funny. Sometimes you, you use an illustration, and and you were talking about how we, you know, Peter and Numa did such a great job, and they did. They were fabulous, mm-hmm. and to the point that they actually made me think a little <laughs> bit more about the illustration. <laughs> uh oh. Um, and what what kind of jumped out at me as I was thinking about it was that the rich young ruler asked, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And so Jesus gave this rich young ruler an answer, but it, as I was kind of pondering through this, because I was thinking about, you know, the, the penny that I had, because one of the, one of the ways that I was like, I don't know if I like the metaphor I'm using is because the, the penny that I actually had up on the platform with me was really only worth 15 cents. I didn't have a hundred thousand dollar, 150,000, $1.5 million coin. That's like, Ooh, you know, really expensive and really worth a lot of money. So it's like, well, you know, I mean, am I? Because ten zip code would be different. Yeah, yeah it, would, it would. It would probably be a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> or I don't, at least my neighborhood might be. But anyway, <laughs> Ferrari um, is parked out front. Yeah, <laughs> right. But but I got to thinking about it, and in that, I wonder sometimes if salvation is the is is the fifteen cent part of of the conversation that was happening up on the platform. I wonder if. You know, the real valuable thing is is not salvation, but the reason why salvation would matter is because you get to be in relationship with somebody you love for eternity, that you get to be in relationship with God for eternity, and that sometimes we kind of hold up heaven and we hold up never dying as like the reward, and when the real reward is to be in a love relationship with the God that created us. And and I just wonder if, you know, between Peter and Numa, when when I was actually rehearsing this, because we rehearsed it a couple times, and Melanie um, listen gets to hear my sermons multiple times, and so she was my guinea pig that came up and, <laughs> and did the part that uh, Numa and Peter did. And at one point, she said something to me, and I never figured out how just to kind of hone it down and really work in the sermon. But she said, I asked her if she'd trade something. She said, do you need it? And she said, because I'll I'll trade it to you if you need it. Why? Because we're friends. And not because the penny's worth anything to me, but because we're friends, I'm happy to give it to you. And man, that, that kind of hits home for you, doesn't it? Because if... Maybe there's things that we're willing to do for God because we're his friend, but not because we think we're going to get eternal life or because we think we're going to walk on streets of gold, but because we're friends, I'll do that for you. It doesn't look more valuable to me, but you're valuable to me, so I'll go ahead and do it. And that 
that was something that I went home. It's it's funny. Sometimes you'll preach a sermon, you'll go back and you'll think about it and be like, no, I want to do over. There was, there's more there to be said, but that's why we have a podcast. So yeah. yeah. Well, I like the valuation part of it because it seems like our valuations are consistently pretty messed up with what we prioritize. You mentioned that in the message about, you know, what was it this week that, you know, you prioritized over Jesus or what, you know, you probably know what those are without thinking too hard. But sometimes just the friend that you don't even, you're not thinking in monetary or you're, what am I getting back? Or, you know, what am I going to get out of this? Melanie got a bag of stale popcorn this afternoon, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> that, you know, she wasn't going like, well, it's been, I, I'm sure I'm glad I was, I smiled at Randy this morning because he probably <laughs> would have given me that bag of stale popcorn had I not smiled at him. So I think I, I like the part of, of thinking it that way. And also when we, when the message first started, I thought, Often that story only focuses or it brings our focus into the monetary because it's something we can all understand because money, we all need it to some, to, you know, to make things to eat and to, to live and to be a part of society. But, you know, when those things become the non, the, the non money part or the non financial part, to me, that's even, that's almost harder because now you start getting into personal personal territory where, yeah, I mean, we all need our money. We know that. But most of us are willing to, I think, be generous enough to give to someone who does has a little less or they may need some help. But when you start talking about the personal things, then to me, that almost seems like it's a little scarier because what is it that exactly you're asking from me or what could you ask me that I might be less inclined to just hand over? Well, think about the person that you love the most in the world. You know, visualize that person and then ask yourself, what wouldn't you give up if it meant helping them, um, if it meant saving their life, if it meant hmm. making things okay for them? And and when you really love somebody, there's not much that you wouldn't do. You would you would mortgage the house. You would sell everything you have. Um, I have a a friend right now who who has a, a spouse who's who's uh, you know been diagnosed with a terrible form of cancer and and they've spent crazy amounts of money um, to try to find healing and for them that that money is it's it's not a thing for my friend it's not a thing because he loves yeah he loves that person and. And that's what we really want to kind of focus on when it comes to the cost. The cost is the cost varies depending on the person and how much you love them. You know, for me to sell everything I have to give to a person I don't know who I think might squander it, uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> but to do that for my wife or one of my kids because yeah. it's going to save them. Without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I should interject just for the record before Randy gets excoriated on social media that I like stale popcorn. Oh, so well, thank you. he brought me stale popcorn. <laughs> he, he was being a good friend. He wasn't doing something terrible unto me. But um you know, I I So the I, lima bean thing goes way out the window now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think that the rich rich young ruler asked the wrong question mm -hmm. because he shows up and he says, what do I need to do to right. be saved? And I wonder if he had asked a different question 
you know, I, I wonder if Jesus' answer was like, you want to do something? Okay, well, here's what you can do. Do this thing. But I wonder if he came along and asked something else, something relational, something about, you know, what Jesus part, what does Jesus do? What is this relationship? Rather than this transactional piece. Do you I have really a, like an idea? That. I really like that. Moment. Do you have an idea what the question he should have asked? Could have asked? Know. Or maybe no, the, the question he did ask was pretty revealing, though. It, yeah, it was revealing. Yeah. But I, I, I think as we're talking about the cost, it's a good idea to not show up in the rich, rich young ruler's you know, shoes and ask Jesus, all right, what do I need to do to be saved? But rather look at that story and be like, hmm, interesting. Maybe he asked the wrong question. Maybe I need to approach this differently. Because the cost, like Ken already said, is following Jesus. Oh, I like that because that goes into what Jeff said about, you know, we have these ideas about that, the fear that paralyzes us from even making a decision. So, you know, maybe that was the only question he thought pertinent to the mm-hmm. situation. It was how he related. Or to how, it. Right, or how he related. Yeah. But if we're going to really start from someplace and say, God, what do you have for me? I mean, that's a scary, it's kind of a scary thought because, like, again, you always wonder what the cost might be. But you know, the more that you, the more that you study, the more that you spend time, the more that you pray. At least for me, I found that it's 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 become less about salvation. Like I can, like you mentioned, that I think, and maybe when you get to a spot where you've figured that part out, that there's nothing that you can do for yourself, and you're already relying on Jesus for that part. So maybe if we've just agreed that you've gotten to that point, it's a little easier then to not be so worried about other details and just kind of put yourself out there because I mean, what's the worst that can happen? And in a lot of ways for those of us who've done those, there's been some really cool stories to share. There's been, there's been times where, you know, you may have made the wrong decision. I always think about the, the person that, you know, I totally blew off when I was going for coffee uh, and then, you know, find out that this person is out of a job and he's owed all this money and he's not for need of anything except he's hungry. He doesn't have any cash. And I blew him off and the Holy Spirit was like, no, 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 no. Go back. First off, apologize because you were a jerk. <laughs> and then second, get the man some breakfast. Right. And that's an easy thing that if I asked you, if someone came up to you this morning or this evening and said, I need a meal, would you would you do it? I think most of us would. I mean, if we had the ability financially to do it, why wouldn't you as a Christian? But when you don't listen, and then you go in and you you doubt or you don't have time, that's where you end up being like, oh, I was now I have to apologize. I could have just bought him breakfast and felt good about it. But instead, I had to apologize first because I didn't take the time I don't know. I, to I, listen. I've got to go with Jeff on the doubt thing. I think yeah? I think doubt is not the problem. It's part of the process. Okay. I think it's a necessary element for faith. If you don't have doubt, you don't you don't have faith. Isn't somebody writing a dissertation on that? It's oh, wow. Maybe <laughs> someone it? should. Somebody should like, do that. Yes. They should totally. If preaching, they're not preaching doubt. Preach. Yes. Yeah. Actually, that is the title. <laughs> of it. Is it? <laughs> preaching doubt. Yeah. To toward go. a uh, meta modern homiletic in it. the uh, yeah. era of deconstruction. Say that so slowly one more time for us. Your your the title of your dissertation. Preaching doubt. Toward a metamodern homiletic in the era of deconstruction. Okay, that alone should get your doctorate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that sounds like an A just in the title, but for those of us a little less educated in this area, uh, what does that mean? It means, well, here's what I'm saying that it means. Okay. 
doubt for a long time has gotten a bad rap. Doubt is the opposite of belief, the opposite of faith, the opposite of everything we're going for. But on the other side of it, doubt can actually be the catalyst for an incredible, an incredible amount of growth. It can, you, can, you can doubt yourself toward growth. Okay. You can doubt yourself toward God. It might be actually a bigger God that shows up if you've doubted the smaller that God. That's like such a good in. idea for some sermons. And there you go. Is that yeah. like, I mean, do you think any sermons could be coming our way like uh, that anytime soon, <laughs> yeah, Melanie? Well, possibly. possibly? How, about, how about next month? Next month? Should we talk about this next month? Let's do that. All right. Okay. You know, I think Melanie's should, preaching next month. I think we should yeah. plan these things further in advance. It sounds like this is a last minute throw together. I mean, we really, we really should consider maybe being more organized in the future, right? <laughs> I do. I do. I do love the idea of it being the first step because we always think of it as being, oh no, this is my, this is the trap door that just I dropped out of. And now it's the first step of I'm perplexed, I'm baffled, I'm I'm confused. That is where you want to be. So you not only have permission to doubt, but yeah. it, it can be encouraged. Yeah. And don't feel like you're not alone or that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Seeking. Yeah. I like it. Man, that man, those could be encouraging words. It's a good thing we got some encouraging sermons coming up. Yeah, I know, right? It's good. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're going to be talking about desserts on the next podcast, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I think that's how that's going to play out. So if you had everything that we've talked about, the, the talk about the cost, all that, if there was one thing that you think is most important to someone who's just realizing maybe in more fullness that there is a cost to following Jesus for the first time and really understanding that, because I feel like over the last two weeks – We've gone a lot of different directions, but we've really realized that with everything in this world, there is a cost. And, you know, something as grand and great and as desirable as following Jesus, even because we've tasted and we've seen that he's good to us, but that it still comes with the cost. What's what? What's the one thing you would just tell somebody if they're just realizing this and like you're you're about to head in a you're, you're about to take this journey with a different view than you have before. Anything we would leave them with advice for kind of beginning that after, hey, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to feel like you don't have it all figured out. Or is that the... Yeah, I, th I think the cost is friendship. Mm. I, th I think that's the real cost of okay. following Jesus is you get a friend. And and some, you know, some people go, well, that's not a cost. In a way, it kind of is. Yeah. Because friendship has connection, has, in a sense, belonging. And those are all things that, uh, in some ways, in our in, especially our individualism, that creates some problems, especially in our private, secret moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I think that when you follow it down, friendship is a great cost. Well... Does that make sense? No, I I think that makes perfect sense. Um, anyone else want to add to that? That's a that's pretty good. Yeah. Friendship has a cost. Um, if you're going to be friends with somebody, you have to. I mean, we've all chosen not to be in friendship at one point or another, or not deep friendship because the person that we were thinking about just had a different set of values or taste, or they like 
this kind of music and we didn't care for that kind of music or, um, you know, whatever. So, but friendship, even when you're with somebody that you're super compatible with, there's always this give and take that takes place in, in the relationship. And so, yeah, I like that. Friendship is the price. Mm-hmm. I like it. Melanie, you concur? I concur. I, I do concur. I do. I thought so. I do too. I think that's... Uh, I think that's good. So we did have uh, two questions, um, and this just makes me laugh every time I can't see it and not laugh because <clears throat> somehow our online chat system threw out one of our favorite our favorite members of all time and made him put in a different <laughs> a different <laughs> moniker. So Nashville Tim has become Ganashville Tim. Oh. Like the Nashville. Nashing of teeth. Oh my goodness. It's no longer I hope that's not because of any life changes or anything. I don't know. I mean, this is what it came up with. Not that I know of. It would be a surprise to me. So when I saw it, I'm like, hmm, Nashville Tim. I was like, okay, well. But he asked, so is it okay for a person to follow in the shadows and then come forward at what may be the last moment. Is it okay? Yeah. It's not ideal, but is it possible? Sure. I mean, thief on the cross comes to mind. I was going to say that it's probably here's, here's if the price is friendship though, Mm. The price that you pay is that if you meet a really cool person and you had the chance to know them longer, you always kind of wish that you would have, I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've, you know, occasionally you'll meet somebody. I I remember being in one place where I met this really cool person just a few months before we moved and Mm. they'd been in that community the whole time I'd been there. And I was like, Ah, I would have really. I wish I'd spent time with that person. They were they're awesome, and I, and now I'm moving, and I'm not going to have that opportunity. And so I think that when and this is one of the the problems when we put streets of gold and amazing <laughs> food and living forever in front of Jesus. That that the goal is that as opposed to friendship with God is that well. <sighs> well, then what am I really missing out if I wait till the end? If I wait till the end and make that last-minute decision, and you'll see a lot of people spending a lot of time trying to go, oh, you got to make, you you might get hit by a bus. You might, you know, something might happen to you before you can, you know, and, and, and okay, but <laughs> could we talk about the, the real thing here? It's friendship with God. You are missing out on an amazing friendship. You are missing, that is what you are losing by waiting. And, mm-hmm. and so, and nobody's punishing you for that. It's, it's, that's what you lose. You lose awesome time with somebody who's cool and wonderful. And I think also for the record, if you're following someone around sort of in the shadows, that's called stalking and that's illegal. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you, Melanie, yeah, for, uh, for making sure that I just, just, just want to, it's good that clear. Nashville Tim understands that. <laughs> <Yeah>. So. <laughs> Just so everybody, just to kind of make it creepy, just to make, just, just to make it, just so everybody knows, we're not picking on somebody who's defenseless here. This Nashville Tim happens to be married to Melanie, so so yeah. we can we can tease here. She just called him out. So that's yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, no, I, can I? I totally resonate with that because even if you know that there is someone that you'd like to be in a relationship with, but because of circumstances cannot be. Yeah, I, I knew Heather my wife, long before we were married. 
And I was married at the time that I met her. And the funny part was when you're in a bad relationship, it will highlight other things and other people. And when I met Heather, I was just, you know, almost like a little halo, you know, over her head. And I just thought to myself, what an amazing person this is. It was without romantic feelings or whatever, but like this is a really grounded, nice person who always has a smile, has a hug, is genuinely happy to see you. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just me. This is how she was with all kinds of people, at least in my interactions with her. And then when you look back at your life and go, man, if I'd have made a couple decisions a little bit differently, or I would have pursued things differently in a different way, I would have had more time yeah. with my wife than I ended up having or, mm. or will ever. I mean, you can't get those back. And so not letting it be regret because you you know, right. you did what you did and it's, it is what it is. But to think of how much more time you could have had yeah. and where you might even be now as your relationship has grown and has changed and, you know, you become different people and you do all these different things and you go through these stages and then you can look back on those and, 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 and have a warm place in your heart for them. And if I, I can, can just totally add one that. more layer to it, you know, one of the other, um, one of the other true joys in life is introducing two cool people to each other. Yeah. And that is, to me, one of the, when, you know, I don't know how it was when, Randy, when you went to Sabbath school, which we call Sabbath school in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And if you're listening to this and you're, you attend church on Sunday, <laughs> you call it Sunday school. But in Sabbath school, we were always told that, um, you know, you get these crowns and for every person that you bring to Jesus, you get a little star in your crown. Did anybody else get told mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yes. And as I, as I grew up, it was watches it, for us. But go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah of course, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, they took. My I, crown. I figured that was what it was. <laughs> they took my crown away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as I've gotten older, and what I really realized is that that those there, there's a biblical basis for that, by the way. That but the metaphor really that's being set up is that you're these these stars are people. They're people that that you've brought to Jesus, and now they're. In, with Jesus for eternity and they're there and that's the reward of heaven. And so for me that like just this, one of the greatest rewards of heaven besides friendship with God is seeing the people I love and care about being there also knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and experiencing eternity together in heaven. And that is the reward. There is no crown, no jewel that could possibly touch the people that I care about and mm-hmm. that I love about. And, 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 and that doesn't, for me, it doesn't, I don't get all scared that, well, if I don't accept Jesus and I'm not doing what Jesus said, that now that person's not going to be in heaven. Cause I believe that God is fair to everybody. And just cause Ken makes mistakes, somebody else isn't punished for Ken not doing what he was supposed to do. But what it does is, for me, it's just that, that having that little part that you play in somebody's life that makes their life better, that's that's just a reward. It's it's just rewarding to have a part in that, not to think that you're the reason that everything, but just to have that little part. And that's another reason for me not to put off. It's to to get to be a part of the big game, to, be a, to, to play in the Super Bowl, to be a part of things, not to... You know, join the after party. I yeah. mean, I mean, if you walked into the stadium and they let you down onto the field, and you got to be a part of the after party. It's different than if you played in the game. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're, you get to be a part of it. It's great. Yay. I mean, they give you a ring still. That's fantastic. But to actually play in the game, that's the thing. Yeah. I think that's the that's actually my favorite message of the of the story of the prodigal son is that the son was there all along. Mm-hmm. Never even realized the blessing. The, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. We have the one now that we teased you with in first service. All the right. second service we we ran over and we did not do the response. So this question is if all things are possible with God, can God save someone after they've died? <laughs> well, technically, he, God is saving everybody who's saved after <laughs> they, they die, die at exactly. this point, except for maybe Elijah, <laughs> Elijah, Elijah and Enoch. So, yes, there we go. That was easy. <laughs> that was <laughs> super easy. All right. Yeah, I think that's a thank goodness we're not God. So, yeah, he, you I know, believe he does. Here's the thing God is fair. God, the Bible tells me that God doesn't desire the, the destruction of the wicked. God, which doesn't, I'm, I'm not, for me, I'm not in the camp that believes that, that God, that, that there are, that people that are, that everybody eventually makes it to heaven. I'm not in that camp because I, again, I believe in God's free will. I believe that, that God doesn't force people to be somewhere where they'd be miserable for eternity. But I also believe that, that God's default is to have people with him who want to be with him. Yeah. And I think that there are some people who have rejected Christ and rejected God because some of us have done a terrible job of representing him. And they didn't reject God, they rejected me, or they rejected somebody else who was just in there like, if that's who Jesus is, then I want nothing to do with that because that isn't loving. And what they were rejecting was actually Satan, not God. And God said, and I, I believe with my whole heart that God will be fair to those people and say, yeah, then no, you do love me. You do love me. You just didn't, you didn't know me. You didn't know who I was because of the poor example of, of the people who called, took my name. Yeah. So anyway, I, I really, again, to be saved after you die, I, I, I'm not, uh, in my philosophy, I'm not, I don't take on a, what the uh, Church of Latter Day Saints would take on and saying that you know people can get baptized for the dead and that sort of thing, I'm not going to take that on. I know that there's a text in the Bible that one text that says something about that. We have no idea what that was. It, it was something that was going on at that point. Some, but we have no idea what theologically for sure that was talking about. So the point I would just make to you is choose Jesus now. Yeah. It's because it's worth it. It's it's worth it. Yeah. But taste and see. Yeah, I think his whole the, the line that he says, "Do not fear those that can destroy the body." I don't think God looks at at death the same way we do. Is is this, you know, the physical death? Yeah. As final, final as we do. No, and I, I kind of I, I agree with you too, and I think it it probably solidified for me. I lost an uncle uh, during COVID who had some other health issues and he hadn't been uh, practicing anything, I think for a really, really long time and, you know, rough around the edges, never heard him profess anything about loving God or knowing God. And even though I'm, I'm pretty sure he did because he lived his life in such a way that he had been damaged again by by 
the church and by people in the church. But yet there was nobody that you wanted to call if you were in trouble more than <laughs> more than him who would drop everything and he'd drive cross country for you if that's what you needed. And he wouldn't ask twice. He would just be already on the road and let me know what to do when I get there. And um, after he passed and just the thought had come and after thinking about it, praying about it and reading a whole bunch of different texts about it, I just felt like, you know what? I think I, I believe when I get to heaven, I'm going to see him there. And I think that's going to be that's yeah. going to be pretty awesome. So that ends our questions. Those were good questions. Yep. And uh, even though we only did one this week from the <laughs> from the front. And the one thing I, I wanted to, and I think we did this, oh man, this I think right after I started coming to the hospital church, now Whole Life Church, is finishing the message with, and I think that was, if I remember right, that was a pretty important message where we finished with the quote from Ellen White. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was a quote from I believe Christ Object Christ Lessons. Object. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Andy McDonald who yeah. sent me that quote. Did he? Uh, yeah, he, he sent me well, an I email knew- last week and said, "Hey, Ken, I heard the topic of your sermon. Just felt impressed to send you this quote." And I was like, "Ooh, that, I know where that fits. That was a missing piece." So yeah. And so we're going to finish with that quote because I think it's something worth pondering and worth listening to. And the first time we had, and Andy used it, I remember uh, we talked about it on the podcast for quite a while, just that at the ending of it, and had lots of feedback. And it, I think it, it just can touch your heart if you and just take and, and, and listen in and think on it. It says, Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It is thy property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. Even in a verbiage that we don't use anymore, that's still pretty powerful and it still uh, still makes a really good point and it, it really makes you want to just give your heart to God and let him take care of it. And it's a really, really good reminder. So what this week we're coming up on, what is it? The inclusivity of the call. Is that the final message? It for is this? the final this message in, the, in this particular series. Yeah. Oh man, that means more work. There's like, well, we're gonna have to do new graphics. We're gonna have all kinds of, we're gonna have to come up with new topics. Have a we new done, speaker. A new, <laughs> oh, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So we're really excited man. that uh, after this, uh, Melanie's going to do a three-part series to to kick things off uh, right. for her stay here. So that's right. I think we'll give her the big chair on the podcast and I'll just join in. She can, nope, I like my stool. I, like I will stay up here. All right. <laughs> Thank you, though. By the way, as we wrap it up, I just uh, wanted to say uh, one of our listeners told me that our podcast is the perfect length. So I hope that you're walking into your house as you're hearing these words. There you go. Because he said that was my drive home. <laughs> That's it. Well, hopefully traffic was eh, maybe a little bit heavier than normal. So yeah, I, I jinxed us. I said it was said 50 be, minutes. So. Yeah, I thought it was going to be quick. And uh, this is about normal, a little bit, maybe a little bit longer than normal. But that's Nathaniel, okay. are you home? Are you? Are you Nathaniel? No, Nathaniel, no. He's, he's about walking in, I bet. Right, bud? Text me. I need to know. Tomorrow, this is Tuesday, so you understand how it works. A Wednesday morning, or if you're on the way home, I need to know, were you at work or were you walking home? Because I know sometimes you'll listen in the morning, but usually that's reserved for sports talk. So, you know, we have to, we know our place. We're not here to, you know, butt in on anything. But, well, that's going to do it for this week. So come back for the final, and then we can start prepping for Melanie for the next couple weeks. This is going to be fun. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great week.